The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 26th College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Guadalupe's Mexican Grill Food Made Fresh kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. Notre Dame, Clemson, two powerhouse programs that have been playing the game for a very long time. But there have only been six matchups between the two in that long history, and each game has had national title implications. In ND's 1977 National Championship season, Joe Montana and company traveled to Clemson and escaped with a 21-17 victory. 36 players that participated in that game went on to NFL careers. In 1979, Clemson set a Notre Dame stadium record by running the ball 74 times and came from behind to defeat the Irish 16-10. The Clemson program, it is said, turned the corner that day. Two years later, the Tigers won their first ever national title. In 2015, both teams were undefeated. The game was played as the outer rings of Hurricane Joaquin engulfed South Carolina. ND fell behind 21-3 going into the fourth quarter before a furious Fighting Irish comeback fell just short when Deshaun Kaiser was stopped short of the goal line on a two-point conversion attempt with seven seconds remaining. Clemson went on to a 14-1 season. Their only loss that year came to Alabama by five points in the national title game. In 2018, the two teams met in the college football playoff semifinal. After one quarter, the teams seemed evenly matched, but a key injury to Irish cornerback Julian Love in the second quarter was the only opening sensational freshman Trevor Lawrence needed. Lawrence tossed three touchdown passes before the half, and Clemson cruised to a 30-3 win. A week later, the Tigers pounded Alabama 44-16, to win the national championship. In the 2020 pandemic season, the Irish and the Tigers met not once, but twice. The first of the matchups saw the then fourth-ranked Irish emerge victorious against number one-ranked Clemson in an epic two-overtime struggle. Kyron Williams ran for three TDs, one on the first play of the game, and the other two in overtime as the Irish prevailed 47-40. A few weeks later in the ACC Championship game rematch, the Irish did not fare nearly as well as Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne had their way 34-10. Both teams went to the college football playoff that year, which was eventually won by Alabama. This week, CFP implications once more are in play, but only for 8-0 Clemson, who are currently ranked fourth in the CFP. As for the Irish, who stand at a disappointing 5-3, they bring some momentum after dismantling Syracuse a week ago and are looking to complete a turnaround of their season. Whatever the result of this week's seventh-ever matchup between these two Blue Blood programs, it will once again have a major impact on each team's season. Guadalupe's Mexican Grill, located on Illinois Road, look for new Fort Wayne locations soon. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight. From America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenberger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and refreshing Coors Light. Made to chill. This is Fighting Irish Preview. 
The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. Well, Tim, a really big game Saturday, and the atmosphere in Notre Dame Stadium should be electric. Uh, recall for us a game or two that you've attended in the stadium that has had great atmospheres, maybe one for all time, and then maybe another one that's occurred in the last 10 or so years. Yeah, let's go in the way back machine here. I'd say 73 USC, Eric Penix, 85-yard run, and then 77 of course, the green jersey game where everybody is absolutely flabbergasted that they've come out in green jerseys. But lately, you know, the first half of Brian Kelly's era at Notre Dame, not so much. The the, the 2017 Georgia game was, was pretty phenomenal. And I think that that's when, you know, I mean, that's that that started a five-year streak where Notre Dame was, was, was pretty darn good. Notre Dame lost that game. Uh, but it showed that they were ready to play with the with the big boys once again. Yeah, and two two that I would add to the list: Miami '88, of course, and uh, well, Florida State '93. That was pretty good. Uh, but the game that I'll always remember because I probably got worked up more at this game than any other was the uh, Miami game of 1990, which was the last game in the series. Uh, the teams had to quit playing each other because the rivalry had become too intense, and I can still see Rocket slipping a little bit on that kickoff in the second quarter and then taking it all the way back to the house. And the Irish won that game and sent Miami packing after what they'd done to us in 89. That was a great moment in the stadium. Well, Tim Priester, not not all we needed to see last week, but perhaps, in my opinion, and really about every area except quarterback play, and that's a big one, the Irish do have the look of an improving team. Do you agree? Uh, yes and no, Phil. Because and look, they went. I don't. I don't want to uh, take anything away from what Nordam accomplished last weekend. They went into a really difficult environment uh, in the JMA Dome, and they won by 17 points and scored 41 points and did had a pick six, which they hadn't had. And you know, again, special teams comes through. But you know, I'm looking at. I can't look past the quarterback play, which was not good. And, and you know, not good going into the Clemson game was not what I think that they were hoping for. And then the defense in the red zone, three entries, three touchdowns. 
uh, just, you know, the long drives in the, in the fourth quarter against a, a backup quarterback. So, I mean, I'm looking at good and bad, and I, I just don't think that at this stage of the season they've put anything together for a complete 60 minutes. And now you're going to have to do that against Clemson. So, but you, you know, they, they're doing some good things. They're just going to, they're going to have to find a way to build on those really quickly against Clemson. And it starts with Drew Pine having to be much better, much more accurate. Yeah. It's really going to have to come to uh, a fruition. All those things they've been working on this week, if they're going to have a, a good shot and you talked about Pine. Well, let's talk more about Pine. Through his first three starts, Cal, North Carolina, and BYU, he was a 74% passer. In his last three starts, Stanford, UNLV, Syracuse, 48%. Tim, and you know this, I know this, we all know this, is not going to beat Clemson. Any theories as to what has happened? I mean, we talked about confidence last week, but maybe some suggestions on how do you fix that? What what can Tommy Reese do in the five days he's got that had this week to prepare and to, to change that? I mean, give him a menu to have success. The problem is that, you know, a lot of the throws that he's made uh, are gimmies, are, are passes that he should have completed. They are passes that he absolutely completed at North Carolina and against BYU in Las Vegas. I don't, you know, I don't get caught up in percentages too much, but man, 48%. And, and you know, you know how many passes that he missed that, that he had similar throws uh, against UNC and, and BYU and made those throws. I don't, I mean, I don't understand why he'd come back to Notre Dame Stadium against two inferior opponents and play like he lacked confidence. I could understand it at Syracuse because it's a very tough environment, but it's been three games now and, what can Tommy Reese do? Yeah, I, I, I feel I'm not really, I'm kind of at a loss for that. I know that, you know, I know that uh, Nordame employs sports psychologists and they readily use them when, when players are struggling with confidence and what have you, but Drew Pine's going to have to pull it together. It's been his dream to be the Nordame quarterback. Here it is, man. It's time to take control of the situation. Well, you know, the the best that Pine looked last week against Syracuse was when he was running that two-minute drill at the end of the first half uh, where he actually has less time to think about what he's doing and just does it. Maybe it's up-tempoed. Would that make sense? Play more up-tempo and just all this scan stuff and changing the play three times in 20 seconds. Maybe that needs to come to an end. Well, you have to mix that in. I don't. I don't think full tempo plays to Nordin's strengths all the time, but I think that you have to mix it. And when, look, when they when this whole scan thing came about, and and I asked Marcus Freeman about it as press conference, he talked about you know tempo can mean uh, uh, several different things, and he mentioned four different levels of tempo. So. They need to get back to that four different levels of tempo. And when you have a team down or in a situation where they're reeling a little bit defensively, you want to get up and go. Now, I know that they tried to do that in the red zone last week, which uh, the referees prevented because of substitutions or what they thought were substitutions from Syracuse. But I think I think that the answer is that you need to mix up the tempos, and that means mixing in some full, some full speed stuff. Yeah, uh, 
I just think a little more tempo when he has less time to think about it. He seems to perform better. Now, Tim, another week, another punt block. Five of them now tied for best in the nation. Tim, how is the special teams coach, Brian Mason, getting this done? What's the, I mean, is there an inside story here, how he approaches this? Because it's uncanny to get five in this in, in only eight games. I was asked this week, are you, you, know, are you surprised that this has happened? Well, no, Cincinnati tied for the lead in the nation last year in block kicks, so he came in that way. I think it's, I think it's a few things. His his general aggressiveness, even if it's not punt block, he believes in putting some type of pressure on the punter so that he doesn't get off a, a clean forty five yarder. Maybe it's thirty seven yards, and then you get you pick up some some uh, net yardage there. Um, you know, I think it's preparation. He is fantastic at diagnosing the the shortcomings of the opponent. And then I think it's a, a, a varied scheme where he has different approaches. Interestingly enough, against UNLV, they ran the same play where uh, Isaiah Foskey came off a double team up the middle and one of the personal protectors was drawn over to the right side of the formation. They did that twice. Last week, Clarence Lewis came through untouched. So you know that Syracuse was not pre- prepared for that alignment. So he's really good. He's been a confidant of Marcus Freeman for more than a decade. So he isn't going anywhere unless he gets a job in the NFL on the way he's going. It, it, that could be a possibility. That could happen. I think it, you know, it seems that he has also cultivated a culture among the players of wanting to be on special teams. They seem really dedicated to it. No doubt about it. Personnel is, has a lot to do with it as well. Tim, now I know there is no cheering during games in our profession, but did you come out of your seat just a little bit last week when Audric Estime delivered that stiff arm on that Syracuse corner and put him on his back? Well, that was beautiful, and that's the type of play that Notre Dame expects out of him. You know, you're going to see a, a bigger back for Clemson this week, Phil Maffa. But he's not Audric Estime. Audric Estime is just burying people. Now, look, when you get a running start like Notre Dame's running backs, Logan Diggs as well, behind that offensive line, uh, you know, I compared it to the running start that the airplane gets going down the, you know, the runway before takeoff. It, it, it's a lot easier to play that kind of football. But Audric Estime is a beast. He got his mojo back after the fumbles. And uh, it's it's good that he's going into this Clemson game with a lot of confidence. Yeah, he's his confidence is on the rise. That's for certain. And that was a great play. And I'll admit to coming out of my seat just a little bit when that happened. That was a great play. Tim, historically speaking, just how good is this offensive line? Where do they rank over the last 10 or so years? And remember, 2017, that was a Joe Moore award winning group. Does this offensive line perhaps compare with that? I think right now I'd put it a notch behind. Um, and the reason I say right now is, you know, if you if you run the football effectively against Clemson, now you're talking about, you know, a real accomplishment. Florida State's the only team that's rushed for 200 yards uh, against Clemson this year. And that that may that had I think might have had something to do with circumstances because they were trailing by 20 going into the fourth quarter and probably snapped off and they did snap off some runs in the fourth quarter, but this is a really, really good offensive line. And, and uh, you know, Zeke Corral has gotten so much better. Everybody thought he was the weak link early on, and he was. And really, Josh Lug wasn't very good. But I think Josh Lug has been really, really good in, in recent weeks. And last week might have been his best game. 
We know what Joe Alt and Jarrett Patterson are doing on the left side when they team up. They're great. And Blake Fisher, I, you know, Blake Fisher is going to be is is a good offensive tackle right now. He's going to be much better next year now that he has a or is about to have a full season under his belt. So it's a great line. Um, you know, I'm not always real good at ranking. I would, right now I would put them a notch below that that uh, uh, Joe Moore award winning offensive line from five years ago. Yeah, and we'll see how they do this week against that big uh, front for Clemson. Uh, Tim, it's that time of the year that we start speculating on bowl games. I'm hearing a few things. You know, the, the, the projections are out there. What are you hearing about the Irish? What do you think the most likely scenario is? Well, there's two ga- obviously two games coming up here with Clemson and uh, USC, which at worst, Notre Dame should finish seven and five. But at this stage, that you know, that's that would be disappointing, right? I mean, you you expect to be on a crescendo when you get into November, and so I think they need to find a way to win three out of four. And you have a home game this weekend against Clemson. So, what does that lead to? I think that could lead to the Belt Bowl in in Charlotte. Um, Pete Sampson from the Athletic, who's on our Irish Illustrated Insider podcast, talked about the Holiday Bowl. I think Notre Dame would have to be at least eight and four for something like that. Those are two that I throw out right now. I, it, that isn't something that I give a pay a whole lot of attention to until it uh, starts to become a little bit clearer and focused. But those are two that I throw out. I, put me down for the Holiday Bowl. A trip to San Diego <laughs> over the holidays would, would be awesome. Yeah, well, I started looking at these things a little earlier because I'm always checking those airfare rates. Um, another popular uh, projection that some of the sites have is the Gator Bowl. Uh, that would be a good one in Jacksonville on December 30th. Uh, that would be a projected opponent of Florida, Arkansas, or Kentucky. Uh, and some speculation was on ESPN today about the Pinstripe Bowl. I know the ACC has a tie-in with them. We've been there before. I don't know, New York City, uh, we may have other – you and I both have reasons why we might want to go there, except uh, in in the month of December, I'm not so sure. And everybody would hold out, too, for the possibility of Notre Dame finding a way to match up with LSU. Wouldn't that be spicy? But LSU, I think they may have bigger things on their plate right now. Okay, we usually wait till the second segment to talk about this week's opponent, but here's a head start. Tim, bad weather in the forecast for Saturday. Does that hurt or help the Irish? 40-mile-an-hour wind gusts, perhaps, uh, and a little rain. I think, and we always ask this question, I think ultimately the best team's going to win regardless. But I understand where you're going with that, Phil, because Notre Dame doesn't throw it very well anyway, but they're going to have to throw it to, to some degree well in order to win this game. So, you know, I, I mean, I don't really know what to say about that, Phil. It's going to affect both passing games. Obviously, Clemson's is better than Notre Dame's. But in order for Notre Dame's not, because the weather's bad, Notre Dame's not, just not going to run for 275 yards because it'll make them one-dimensional. I think that they need the passing aspect in order to loosen up the run game a little bit. So uh, what's your perspective on that? Well, I would say that, uh, you know, it's a possibility if the weather is really bad that we have a really low scoring game. 
but other than that, I think it just is going to pretty much cancel out on on both sides of the ball for both teams, and it'll be a fair fight. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 378th edition of Fighting Irish Preview. This is Art Salzberg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Sharon McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Sharon McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Sharon McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Sheer McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Sheer McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus they're AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Sheer McCulloch. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. Isaiah Foskey needs just two more sacks to break Notre Dame's career record held by Justin Tuck of 24 and a half sacks. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. This is Fighting Irish Preview, the Irish take on number four ranked Clemson at home this week. TV coverage on NBC starts at 7.30 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero, brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Master Craft, and Premier Pontoons. New and previously owned, we share your boating passion. And this year, we have been focusing on the Fighting Irish quarterback since 1988. But this week, we're going to take a break from our quarterback honor roll and pay tribute to a great from the 1970s, who passed away this past week. Former Notre Dame defensive tackle and All-American Mike Fanning died last Sunday at the age of 69. Born in Mount Clemens, Michigan, he started at defensive tackle in 1973 and 1974. 6'6", 255, he was huge by 1970s standards and presented a very intimidating appearance. Fanning was a key component on the 1973 National Championship team defensive line that included, among others, Ross Browner and Steve Niehaus. The Irish defense that year held opposing teams to just 6.6 points per game, the best mark at Notre Dame in the last 60 years and counting. Fanning contributed 61 total tackles to that effort, and in the season's first game, a 44-0 drubbing of Northwestern, he accounted for three sacks. In 1974, he again terrorized offenses, 
racking up 85 tackles, including 12 tackles for loss. The 74 defense allowed a paltry 195.2 yards of offense per game, the best number in the nation. After the season, Fanning was named a Walter Camp first-team All-American. Fanning was drafted in the first round, ninth overall, of the 1975 NFL Draft by the L.A. Rams. He had a successful 10-year pro career that included an eight-sack season in 1979 for the NFC champion Rams. Tim, defense was played a little bit differently in those days, and Fanning was a key component of some really good defenses. He really was, and, and you know, very underrated because when you're playing with Ross Browner and Steve Niehaus and, and Willie Fry, Willie Fry wasn't quite that established yet. And even I, I, I included the name Kevin Nosbush, who I believe had a few more tackles than than Fanning did in, in 74. So, yeah, the game was different. You know, it was more run-oriented, and so defensive linemen uh, stacked up numbers uh, in, a, in a way that isn't quite done this year. But Fanning was a really, really good player. I remember talking to Joe Yanto about him when Yanto came for his second tour of duty at Notre Dame. Um, you know, and you look at, well, first of all, Fanning was literally drafted to replace Merlin Olsen. He didn't get the job right away with the Rams, but you mentioned the, the eight sacks in 79, the 10 in 1980, 40, 42 and a half sacks in his career. He was a great football player, one of many of those great defensive linemen that played and were taught by Joe Yanto. Yeah, from the early 70s. Uh, Fanning, also an outstanding heavyweight wrestler, uh, posted an 18-0 record on the mat in the months following Notre Dame's win in the 1973 Sugar Bowl. Mike Fanning, we honor his life this week. May he rest in peace. And he is another Marina at Lake Gage all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory. Head coach Dabo Sweeney, now in his 15th season, has his Clemson team ranked fourth in the CFP and undefeated at 8-0. Idle a week ago, their last game was against a familiar to Notre Dame opponent, Syracuse. In that game, Clemson had to put up 17 unanswered fourth quarter points to come from behind and win 27-21. The Tiger offense averages impressive 37.1 points per game, 19th best nationally. DJ Uyangalele is in his second full season as the starter behind center. But it should be noted that five-star backup Cade Klubnik came in the Syracuse game in the third quarter and guided that comeback. Uyangalele on the season is a 64% passer and has thrown 17 TD passes and just four interceptions. He's the team's second leading rusher with 350 yards on 89 carries for four touchdowns. Post-game Syracuse, Dabo Sweeney reaffirmed that Uyangalele was still the starter, but don't be surprised if he has a short leash. Former Notre Dame recruit Will Shipley is a 5'11", 205-pound sophomore who has been outstanding in the running game. Shipley averages 8.1 yards per carry on 123 carries for 739 yards and 10 scores. The Clemson receiving core features two 6'3 wideouts in Joseph Nagata and Bo Collins, and then 5'11 Antonio Williams. Williams, who lines up in the slot, is just a freshman. He has the best volume numbers of the three with 29 catches for 364 yards and two TDs. Clemson also utilizes the tight end, and they have two of them putting up numbers. Davis Allen and Jake Brininstool are both six foot six and have combined for 35 catches and seven TDs.
Defensively, the good news for Irish fans is that longtime Tiger defensive coordinator Brett Venables has moved on to the head coaching position at Oklahoma. The bad news is that the 2022 Tigers are loaded with NFL prospects. They give up a stingy 19.9 points per game, and compared to Syracuse, they are big and physical up front and will present a major challenge to ND's offensive line. The starting four linemen have accounted for 26.5 tackles for loss, and overall, Clemson is averaging 8.2 tackles for loss per game. Seventh best in the nation. Clemson linebackers are another good news, bad news deal. The good being that James Skalski finally graduated. The bad is this year's Clemson linebacking court is very athletic. All-American candidate Trenton Simpson leads the pack with 47 tackles on the year. Opposing running attacks are averaging less than three yards per carry. As a group, the Tigers are young in the secondary. They have picked off seven passes but are allowing 244 yards passing per game, ranking them 86 nationally in that category. Clemson has shown some vulnerability to the screen game. Special teams are outstanding, and they are keyed by fifth-year senior B.T. Potter, who has hit 15-17 field goals on the year. Indy leads the nation with its five blocked kicks, but Clemson is right behind with four. Tim Priester, what is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? The easy pick, Phil, is to say Drew Pine has to play better, and let's just state that up front, which is going to be difficult when he's facing Miles Murphy, the defensive end, K.J. Henry, who I like a lot and defensive tackle Brian Bercy. So I'm going to go on the other side of the ball and say that the defense has to be – they have to play above and beyond where where they've been. They have to be they have to be really stout in the red zone, which they've been anything but that. And for me, this starts with containing their tight ends. I love their tight end duel, Davis Allen and Jake Brinningstool. It seems when, when they're playing well, that opens things up for Joseph Nagata, Bo Collins, the one, the, the bigger of the receivers that I like better, and Antonio Williams. So I say the defense above and beyond, and it starts for me in the passing game. It goes without saying Will Shipley is a quality back, and they have to slow him down. But in the passing game, contain those tight ends and work from there. Okay, contain the tight end. The defense really has to do that, and they have to play uh, above and beyond and maybe get a stop or two in the red zone. That would be really nice. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? In accordance with that, I'm going to say Nordame's nickel, Tariq Bracey. He's been really, really good the better part of two seasons now. He'll match up against those tight ends sometimes. He will certainly match up against Antonio Williams from the slot. I'm going with Tariq Bracey with a pick this weekend. All right, Tariq Bracey to get a pick this week, and he is your Aspen Mortgage key Irish player. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the injury report brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy, your choice for physical therapy now with 22 Indiana locations. Tim, how are the Irish health-wise heading into Game 9? I think they're in pretty good shape, Phil. And I do want to mention, we haven't said anything about Jarrett Patterson playing hurt, but he absolutely has been. He's had a bunch of foot problems since uh, he took over as a starter in 2020. And he's he's been battling a left uh, ankle sprain. You know, during the week, he wears a boot. You see him all over campus with a boot on. Uh, but he not, not that that's going to prevent him from playing. He'll be ready to go. And then other than that, I'm not really sure that there's anybody that stands out. Cam Hart looks to me like he's favoring a shoulder, but we haven't heard anything about that. Jaden Mickey was back last week after an abductor injury. Okay, good news. The Irish are pretty healthy. Thanks, Tim. 
And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction, brought to you by SES Environmental. Need help navigating environmental risk and with regulatory compliance? You need SES. Look them up at sesadvantage.com. Tim Priester, Vegas says Clemson by three and a half. What does America's foremost authority say? Well, it's first of all, this is a tremendous matchup between Notre Dame's offensive line and Clemson's defensive line. I will warn people that generally when it's two great units like that going head to head, generally the defensive line has the advantage. But I do think that Notre Dame can run the football a little. Um, you know, they don't need to run for 200 yards per se, but they need to be effective on short yardage downs, Audric Estime, et cetera, et cetera. DJ uh, Uyangalele is a, is a guy that can hurt you with his leg. He can almost hurt you more with his feet than his legs because he does so much. So Notre Dame needs to contain him. I love Will Shipley's game. It's going to be very difficult. At the end of the day, it really comes down to how effective Drew Pine can be against this ferocious defensive line. And no matter how good Notre Dame's offensive line is, Drew Pine's still going to have to hold up to some pressure from that group. He hasn't been playing good enough football for me to be confident to say that that he can lead them to victory. If he does, it'll flip the script. But I have a 24-16 to 16 Clemson victory. Clemson 24, ND 16. That is Tim Priester's world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction. Tim, the weather might work in Indy's favor, and the Irish, I think, do have some momentum right now, but quarterback play is quarterback play, and Clemson has a big advantage in that category, so I just can't pull the trigger. I'll take Clemson 27, Notre Dame 20. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. For more Fighting Irish Preview, check out FightingIrishPreview.com and also listen to and subscribe to our podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media.